like I said, she wanted me to fit into a certain box and she had expectations for me and she bought me all the boy clothes. So she was hoping I would become one thing. She, she was, yeah, she had her, the best her, intentions. It's a lot easier. She I, had the best intentions because I think she knew where we were growing up and she didn't want me to have to I, deal. I, right. I think she knew it mm-hmm. for that time. Just put a wrapper on it. Yeah. And let it, let life happen later. Outside of OKC. My mom wasn't Catholic, believe it or not. By the time I came around, my mom was Protestant. My mom was kicked out of confirmation for asking too many questions. Hmm, That'll do it. And Yeah, young ladies in confirmation aren't supposed to ask questions, Mm -hmm. especially little Italians in Queens, New York. That's Uh, just shut up and get in line. My mom is very inquisitive. Southern Italian. She's spicy. And she's like, why do we got to go to a priest to talk to God? (laughs) And yeah, she, 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 she didn't get her pretty confirmation dress. I will say that. And I say more, more power to her. More power. Interesting. And so she, so, yeah. So the, how do your spiritual, so yeah, sorry, keep going. And so went to church. We did, did all that stuff, youth group. And then at 18, I like to tell people I came out of the closet the first time. But I fell in with with someone back home who was not very nice, who was like 32. And he convinced me my family would never accept me for being gay. He filled my young, impressionable brain with all this stuff and, and actually had me, and actually, I will, no, I actually dropped out of high school the summer of my junior year. And then it embarked on like the worst three or four months of my life. And he was super abusive and controlling and just an all-around grade-A shithead. Damn. And what a when, bad way to start your your kind of identity journey. Oh, it, it was terrible. It, it, it yeah. was terrible, Ken. And this is the JAR podcast where real people have real conversations. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to The Jar. It's your host, Ken. It's a Friday morning here in St. Louis. Kind of made my way across, a little bit like sideways across the town into, what's it? It's not the Spanish area? What 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 do you call this part? This is a... Uh this is the Latin district. This oh, is it is the, a Latin district. And okay. it's, a, it's just called, simply known as Cherokee Street. Cherokee. <laughs> wow, that's so creative. So here we are on Cherokee Street, uh, and we're at the Elk and Vine. This is a cool uh, new shop that's opened up. Um, feels pretty new. It looks very fresh downstairs. A lot of cool. Uh, I saw some flasks. You know, it's got Elky stuff and Viney stuff. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Get over here on Cherokee Street in St. Louis. Find Vince. Big shout out to Vince. Uh, the owner for setting us up here upstairs. Uh, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a guest. Hello, Ken. Yeah. Hello, audience. Hi, everyone out there. Driving in your car, cooking in your kitchen. Keep your hands at 10 and 2. Keep your hands at 10 and 2. I'm trying to get a visual on that. I'm not sure what it means. 10 and 2. Keep 10 and 2 on the wheel. It's the oh, most oh, efficient two way on the wheel. I was like, to main. I'm holding my hands out at six and six and three or nine and three. I, I, I flunked driver's ed the first time, so I had to read the book again. Uh, that's why you got 10 and 2 burned <laughs> in the brain. Yes. Well, Aaron, again, thanks for being a guest. Thanks for setting up shop uh, here at the Elk and Vine. It's a cool, like I said, cool spot. Uh, pleasure to meet you. I think you're going to be a fun interview. I was just telling somebody this morning... Uh, Theologians, theologians mm-hmm. are one of my favorite interviews. Nice. And 
I think the I think the guests are going to be surprised to learn a little bit of your story. Yep, and I am excited to share my yeah. story. Yeah. So why don't we let's jump into it? Um, what was it like uh, growing up as a kid? What was it, bring us to that place? Kind of paint us a picture. My mom. My mom is Italian. My mom is full on Italian and she proper, raised, like a mom, like proper Italian. She was raised in Queens, New York. Oh man! And I'm coming over tonight for dinner. Oh, you, to, you, to let her know. I, I'd have to go get started now. If that, if <laughs> or yesterday. Thing. Yeah, yesterday, and you better not have eaten, because uh, you, you would face everything just short of the death penalty if you had eaten if mom was making traditional Italian food. And. My grandfather joined the Air Force and then ended up moving to Oklahoma and got stationed at Tinker Air Force Base. Uh, I came along and I was raised in rural Oklahoma. And it was interesting growing up out there, especially whenever I was, I was always classified as one of those different children even though my uh, mom would get me all the natural, like, boy stuff, like the Hot Wheels and the Tonka trucks and footballs and baseballs. But it just never really took off. For me, I got really bored. I was more interested in artistic stuff and reading books and uh, and the Ken doll that one of my mom's friends bought for me <laughs> that had a glittery tuxedo. Me and my mom have this joke, and, and, and we like to say, that's what made me a queer was the Ken doll with the glittery tuxedo. I, I was a friend. The friend did it. Yep. And what's funny is the friend is a child psychologist. So. Did she know? It's uh, About the Ken doll? Oh, she knows. No, she knew about you and bought you the Ken mo- Moms always know. I, I think moms always know about their kids. Instantly. Yes. Actually, instantly. And I just think it scared my mom because... My brother is older, and he was the, he's the opposite of me. I love my brother, but he was the athlete. He okay. was, did everything the typical male-presenting person would do, yep. like sports and girlfriends and all that other jazz. But I grew up with people trying to force me into a box that was not made for me. Yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting finding, and also whenever I was a kid, I was also pretty interested in like the spiritual realms. And I was loved Greek mythology and just mythology period, Celtic, Babylonian. In in Oklahoma. Yes, in Oklahoma. I bet you were popular. I was, I was was labeled a nerd. (laughs) I was labeled a nerd. Probably the best label you could get being gay growing up in Oklahoma. Yeah, but eventually I, I was called all the stereotypical names that a gay person was called okay, I was like, eventually, no, 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 I'm not. Okay, eventually got to you. Yep, so so to every to, to everyone I cussed out for saying that to me, you were right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I should have owned it. Yep, I, I should have just owned it and said, you're just jealous because my eyebrows look better than yours. Actually, you do have some handsome <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> you got a pretty sporting beard. Oh, I got the beard from my mom. Oh, really? Oh, yes. the Italian side. Yes, we are... We are a swarthy people. We're from Southern Italy, so oh, you are. We are a hair. We, we are a hairy folk. Yeah, you are a hairy folk, dark and hairy. I, I hit. I actually hit puberty early in like fifth grade, and I started getting the underarm hair. And I was so paranoid <laughs> about like going to pool parties right. and not wearing a shirt because I was going to be a freak. I mean, I already had peach fuzz. And oh man, it, I didn't know in what was going grade. on in fifth grade. My, and yeah, no one a... explained this to me what was going on until I got to sixth grade, and I got this little uh, book about what's happening to my body. <laughs> and uh, it had like a picture of like 
Like a diagram of a dick. Right. Okay. And then I, I remember looking at that and going, hold on. Why do I like this? What's going on? <laughs> it, it, it was funny. <laughs> That's interesting. So it's sixth grade already kind of having those. Hmm. Yep. It's just, you always know that, that you're not like everybody else. You're always kind of like I said before, you're yeah. always feel like you're not in the same box yeah. as everybody else. Yeah. Interesting. But the difference is I wasn't trapped in my box. I'm standing on top of mine and using it to say what I have to say. Get on that soapbox, my friend. Um, I, lo- I love the dichotomy of the bro, the, like the athlete bro, mm-hmm. right? And then you. I mean, this is just the crackerjack box of being a parent. It is. You just never know what God's going to just drop down in your lap, what gift you're going to get. Exactly. See, my mom got an athlete with the first child. Yeah. And then a queer occultist for her youngest. <laughs> you know, and it's not a, it's the best part is it's not a popularity contest and it's not a race. Mm-mm. You know, and, it's just how well we mature in our little casks, right? You know, like a good whiskey. It is. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, I was in a cocoon and I've come out as a yeah. flesh eating butterfly. Yeah. Beautiful, right? It is. Kind of like, or like a face hugger from Aliens. One of those xenomorphs. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't end well. Um, what was the spiritual journey like in the house? Mom's Italian. Dad was, what about dad? Don't know. Don't, don't know. Uh, my, dad, my dad was into controlled substances and wasn't too familiar with my dad. Wasn't too familiar with my father. Oh. And my brother's dad is not. Oh, so different dads. Yeah. And so he, he was okay. uh, technically my half-brother, but he was there from the beginning, and he's still there, so he's my brother. He's your bro brother. now, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bro. Genetics, that point, don't matter. Um, relationship with dad or no? Off and on. Uh, okay. I didn't see him very often. I know he got married again and then divorced again, and one of the last times I saw him, he shunned me for, he shunned me for, being, for being gay, for being a queer. And I was like, you're no one to comment on life choices. <laughs> I mean, that takes some balls. It does. My, that's my dad. He enjoyed, he, and like I said, he, that's the drugs. But I, Yeah, it's the, and he was in the military. No, he was he, not. He, this one was not, okay. He okay. was not. Okay. From what I understand, before he got involved with like controlled substances and drugs and stuff like that, he's yeah. very artistically inclined. So I think I inherited that from him. The universe tried again. <laughs> I wonder if he's gay. And... I suspected that too, because the, I wonder if the gene passes down through the father, you know what I mean? Well, and also just for his judgment of you and the drugs and what is he escaping and, Mm -hmm. and, and then to, to judge like that sometimes is actually look at a little bit of discontent with who you are yourself. Exactly. Be interesting to explore that as he gets older to try to suss that out. If I can find him back in Oklahoma City, I'm not really interested in finding him. Yeah, then forget it. Exactly. Yeah, move on. It's time to move on from that guy. Um, how about mom? Mom was a registered nurse. She was okay. an RN for about 25 years. Uh, she worked a whole bunch, and before that, we and before that, we were like I said, she wanted me to fit into a certain box. And she had expectations for me. And she bought me all the boy clothes. So she was hoping I would become one thing. She she was yeah, she had her, the best for her, intentions. It's a lot easier. Right? She had the best intentions because I think she knew where we were growing up, and she didn't want me to have to I, deal. I, right, I think she knew. And mm-hmm. for that time, just put a wrapper on it. 
Yeah. And let it let life happen later. Yeah. And outside of OKC. My mom wasn't Catholic, believe it or not. My, by the time I came around, my mom was Protestant. My mom was kicked out of confirmation for asking too many questions. Hmm, that'll do it. And yeah, young ladies in confirmation aren't supposed to ask questions, mm-hmm. especially little Italians in Queens, New York. That's uh, just my, my mom. Shut up and get in line. My mom is very inquisitive. Southern Italian. And she's so spicy. And she's like, why do we got to go to a priest to talk to God? <laughs> and yeah, she, she, she didn't get her pretty confirmation dress. I will say that. And I say more, more power to her. More power. Interesting. And so she... So, yeah, so the, how do you're a spiritual... So, yeah, sorry, keep going. And so went to church. We did, did all that stuff, youth group. And then at 18, I like to tell people I came out of the closet the first time. But I fell in with, with someone back home who was not very nice. He was like 32. And he convinced me my family would never accept me for being gay. He filled my young, impressionable brain with all this stuff and, and actually had me, and actually, I will, no, I actually dropped out of high school the summer of my junior year. And then it embarked on like the worst three or four months of my life. And he was super abusive and controlling and just an all-around grade-A shithead. Damn. And what a bad when, way to start your, your kind of identity journey. Oh, it, it was terrible. It, it was yeah. terrible, Ken. And the only good thing my, my, my dumbass stepdad ever did was come and rescue me from that situation. Because he found out where I was at, and my stepdad is an ex-biker and Vietnam vet. So he shows up at this apartment one day because my mom is so upset and helps me pack my stuff and takes me away. And then this guy comes out and starts yelling at him, you can't do this, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to do this, this, and that. And he turns around and says, you want me to show you what that looks like? (laughs) And then the guy goes, no, and then goes back inside. And that was it. That was it. So it it looked like a bully until a real man showed up. Yeah. And then, but me and my stepdad did not get along at all. After that, that was the only good thing he, he he really ever did for me. I mean, I'm just trying to like I'm trying to to absorb that right mm-hmm. that he was it, there for you in that way. Yes, because it upset my mom so much, and that I was I wasn't talking to my family. I wasn't doing anything like that. It's it's weird how like the abusive relationship like that you totally disown your family in a way, and you end up part of the abuser. You just mm-hmm. become in that in that spell kind of like almost becomes a bit of Stockholm syndrome. It's a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. 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 You can't get out. Right. I've, and I've interviewed people that have been in this situation with, with manipulative people. Uh, it's really it's amazing. The human mind, right. Is power is powerful. And I managed to get, uh, got rescued from that situation. Re-enrolled, yes, re-enrolled in high school. <laughs> oh my God. You were in high school. This and guy was a monster. Finished my, finished my senior year and graduated, got to walk with my class. Cause I did, I managed to do extra credit courses, so I was not behind. Thank God, because it's not cute to be—it's <laughs> not cute to be really old and be in high school. No, no. And then it was so bad it scared me like back into the closet, and I was involved with like a lot of like pray away the gay anti like anti gay to stuff. pray the gay out of me. Yeah. <laughs> and that just didn't How'd work. That work it did not work very well i ended up doing like got to the point where i ended up doing like correspondence courses with with, with like a seminary and studying theology and stuff yeah so you okay so you really jumped into it and then 
I was almost, way back in the closet. Yeah, that's way in the closet. Um, dating girls at all? Dating girls, but I was, quote, had no sexual interest in women. Yeah, you just, like, go out on dates, but so awkward and, like... Yeah, just because... Yeah, because it, it's like, a, like hanging out with a friend. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel right. And these poor women thought I didn't like them or they thought they were unattractive. Sure. And I was just... Because you're, you're almost... Repul- you are... Re- they aren't attractive in that way, right? Yeah, so they, they, they're they gonna were great feel, ladies. They're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were great ladies, but I'm like, no, baby, it's not you. I just... I'm... I'm not into it. I'm looking for the right one. <laughs> How do you say it, right? Yeah, You're like, I'd like to say it. I'm, I'm allergic to cats. I'm allergic to kitty cats. I'll say that. And uh, it is a, I, I really got to hang out with a lot of great, great gals yeah, back home. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so how did the seminary thing work out? What what happened? What kind of road did that lead you down? That it was great studying textual criticism of the Bible yeah. because you learned a lot about like the original Greek and the original Hebrew or as close as you could get to the original because there's no original manuscripts yeah. of the Bible left. But it was an adventure to the point where I found out I'm not gonna, I wouldn't be able to be myself. And I just reached a point when I was 25 where either I was going to be myself mm. or I was going to die. And if anything, I will say this, that to God, no matter where you see him from the scope of any different faith, it's God has a distaste for liars. And that includes lying to yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, interesting. So you're looking at that and you're like, okay, I believe that part. I follow all of this. But so in the end, Mm -hmm. if I don't believe and and I'm living a lie, I can't do this. And it's just kind of like you have these moments like where does God really care if I find someone who has the same parts of, as me attractive? Because when there's other things going on in the world right now, you know, with like disease and people being going to bed hungry and stuff of that nature. I think it's low on the, I think it's low on the priority list. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's on the list, mm-hmm. but if it was on the list, it'd be, it would be somewhere after 99. Yes, it would be. If the it was last a, bit of downloadable content, if it was a, if it was on a list, yes, I don't think it's on the list though. Exactly, I think it's just you know, love, happiness, be be kind, Look, leave the world and people better than you find them. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's just you're supposed I, to leave the world like that. That's yeah. And if you're doing that in relationships and you're and you're moving through life like that, I don't think you're doing. You're not really doing anything wrong. And it's just kind of like, I think you you can almost sum it up. I saw this on Instagram the other day is if you have the chance to make someone's, to make someone else's world a little bit better in a simple way or make them happy in the simplest way possible, uh, just do it. Don't, and even if you don't get anything back, just, just do it because the world needs that right now. 100%. That's good. What are you doing now? I actually work for a wholesale like company that does like slabs of stone and luxury vinyl flooring and porcelain. Just the whole. If you need new innards to your house or building a house, yeah, yeah. I've been around this. I've been around home improvement stuff for about fourteen, fifteen years. But I'm also a writer, a podcaster, a Let's see, and a playing card reader. I don't do tarot because tarot is great, but I don't understand it. And that's sort of what I'm known around the city of St. Louis for is my card readings. 
And, what, and you're doing what? Like playing cards. Mm-hmm. So I numbers, that, num- numerology. No, it, it's like or, ace of spades, clubs. Yeah, yeah. But, but and how do you reference that to a, uh, somebody's journey? I use a system called Lenormand. Okay. And it was based off a system founded in France by a woman named Millie Lenormand. And she Millie. would read for Fr- the French, French aristocracy. She lived around the Napoleonic era in France. And she was so good, rumor has it, that all she had to know was your name and your favorite color. And, and she could tell you anything. With the cards. Exactly, with, with the cards. And she, you, only use like, you only use like 32 of the cards. And an example would be like the Ace of Clubs would symbolize, for example, like the stork or the crossroads. And another suit would symbolize mm. like the key okay. and the mountain. And it's not so much the cards that are doing the divining. The person has the gift. The cards are just tools. Sure, sure. It's like the but it's like when you're it's like when you're bird watching. You're the it's like binoculars, if you will. It's kind of fun oh, to talk yeah. about. To yeah. Talk about. I've given the divination talk a lot because I before the pandemic I used to do a lot of occult lectures. Very cool. Because I could talk about occultism and like occult history and stuff like that forever. Let's get into the jar because yes. this is going to be fun. I, I am ready. Um, so we got the jar in front of us, jar number one, cookie jar. Reach in, have a grab a card, anything deep in the back, on the are side. There coo- are there cookies anywhere in the cookie jar? There's, no, there's nothing good in the jar. <laughs> uh. There's nothing sweet in the jar. Um, sweet like arsenic. Have a look, <laughs> and, and I'll read it for the audience. Okay. Oh, kind of a, wow, I've never seen, I mean, it's very rare people get the softball question to start. <laughs> what is your first job? My very first job, I was a grocery bagger. Oh, it's so cool. In junior high. I was going to say, I could just picture you like a little boy, like just back there. Getting yelled at for putting the eggs in the same, <laughs> By the old in lady. the same bag. <laughs> Don't put the eggs in with the canned goods. <laughs> Did you learn okay, how to Mildred. pack a bag? Did you learn how to pack? I've become very efficient. I, I bet like, the, yeah, I just look at those guys. Um, let's keep going. Um, I just watch baggers. What a job. I have so many of my friends were baggers at the A&P and other little grocery stores. Jewel was the other Chicago one. <laughs> what are the benefits of prayer? If anything, prayer is, and what I believe about prayer is prayer is just a religiousized word for casting a spell. Because you're putting your intentions out there into the universe Hmm. and you're trying to make things that are not into manifestation, into the present. You're pulling things from the ether. You're talking to somebody up there and you're pulling things down and you're bringing it into this realm of reality. Uh, Here's a uh, crash course on magic. Uh, Magic, defined by me, is trying to explain things and make the way nature flows that science does not understand yet. Yeah, it's kind of showing you what does happen, actually. Mm-hmm. Even though some, it's trickery and it's a sleight of hand, but it does show really what happens. Because there's stage magic. There's yeah. stage magic where they saw the woman in half. Yes. Then there's magic with the K. Ah. And magic with the K, kind of like I, I, classify, I classify myself as a witch. Okay. And... The term witch comes from the means the word to bend and shape. So whenever you're you're bending and shaping the world around you, because the world around us, in my personal belief, is not solid. 
this microphone is particles. We are particles and energy. Uh, the chair is particles and energy. And it's learning to work and be involved in that cosmic dance to be mm. able to make the world do what you need it yes. to do. It's kind of cool, though. You're right. This this part about it's all, I mean, these are just particles put together, right? Mm -hmm. only, nothing is solid. And there's only, th yeah, it's actually not solid, mm -hmm. which is just such a mind-boggling thing to try to get your head around. And people have been doing like prayer and spell work and stuff like that for centuries. I believe it was, uh, you'd hear something like about ancient pagan cultures. I believe it was like yeah, Celtic yeah. or British. They would do like need fires where they would write what they needed down on the fire and they'd say their prayers to their God and throw it into the fire. And it was, that's just how they chose to interact with divinity at that time. It's how you interact with your own divinity and the divinity that's out there, because we're all reflections of mm. divinity. Yeah, it is. Oh, that just reminds me of this. The, the Elon Musk had a quote yet yesterday, day before. Mm -hmm. um, and it was interesting because it was when my grandson was born. Uh, to err is human. Mm -hmm. To procreate is divine. It is. And it is to bring a soul into this world is truly, is truly godlike. It is. I mean, it's, it's, I didn't really, like, of course, I understand the birth and, 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 and the magic of it, but the way he wrote it, and he didn't use E R R, he used H E I R. Oh, which, <clears throat> like, only Elon could twist, like, he's smart enough to take a super famous biblical quote and, and to turn it into something even more. Like, whoa, pretty profound. Oh, oh, Elon. Yeah, oh, I, Elon I'm Musk. a fan. Boy. I'm sorry, man. I'm a fan boy. It's just no escaping it. It's a, he's just one of those people I just see and my eyebrows go right up into my hair. I, know, I could imagine. I'm like, just like, mm. But we're all entitled to like who we like. Absolutely. He's on the spectrum. You got to give him some breaks. You got to cut, cut him some slack. He's, he's the Edison of, of our generation. He, he is the Edison, of, oh. yeah. Or the Nikola, Nikola Tesla. When has love hurt? Love always hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. Let's get real. <laughs> it's, but you also have to define what you mean by hurt. Because you're trying, because whenever you love somebody, you're maintaining your, trying to maintain your own individuality while being mindful of another person's individuality. Mm. And you're trying to make room for that. In a yes. healthy relationship, you're making that room with each other. Yes. And in some cultures, the same symbol for love is actually is actually pain. It's just kind of like I have a oh. Chinese symbol in my upper arm up here. I got it when I was eighteen, and if I ever get a chance to cover it up, I'm going to cover it up because it's an eighteen year it's an eighteen year old tattoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's the same symbol is for love and the same symbol for love is the same symbol for pain in a lot of cultures. Oh. And it's it's because you're and it's because that person is so close to you that one wrong to me this is what it means mm. is that one wrong word from this person you're so vulnerable to this person that they do something wrong it hurts and it's like you're I, getting stabbed. It's yeah, it's almost like your own words to yourself, right? Yes. It can hurt. It can cut quite well. And also, they know you so well; they know your vulnerability. It is. It's a and. One of the times that, that love really hurt me was in that instance I talked about at the beginning yeah. of the show when I was 18. Yeah, you, I mean... You I probably, loved this person, yeah. but they didn't love me. They just wanted me as a possession. Yeah. That's, that's all they wanted. A, you were a toy. Mm-hmm. 
so, I mean, that's so callous, right? It is. And it's just like my new definition of love. Yeah, love can still hurt, but you have a say, but you have a say in what they can hurt. You more boundaries. Yeah, I think if you have the boundaries in place, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in a relationship. Yeah, you can control the pain. Oh, interesting. Instead of just letting people hit you full blast, you mitigate it. Yeah. You, yeah. But you also got to mitigate yourself for that other person. And remember that other person, if it's healthy, is just as vulnerable as you. Okay. Here we go. Mm. We're going to get some good ones today. What makes you angry? The number one thing that makes Aaron Maza angry is bullies. Bullying in any oh, shape yeah. or form. Uh, I don't like it whenever I see kids bullying each other on the street because I've been, you, yeah, I've been the other kid who has been bullied. I yeah. don't like seeing uh, corporations bully their employees. I don't like seeing... Uh, so basically, to put it in a nice, neat little package, I don't like seeing uneven scales. I don't like seeing right. people push people around simply because they can. Yeah. Because to me, that shows me how weak you are, to where you feel the need you have to oppress other people. And shame on you. <laughs> you're, you're getting the Italian mom finger wag. Shame on you. <clears throat> what about hurt people hurt people? Exactly. Hurt people are always going to hurt people. And so what they're doing, the reason hurt people try to hurt other people is because they're trying to fill in the pieces that they're missing from somebody else because they don't want to go out and find it for themselves. So they attack other people. They tear other people down because they're insecure. It's a, it's very sad to see. You shouldn't be angry at the people who are trying to push you around. You should feel very sorry for them because they don't know how to handle their hurt. I, I think it is kind of an interesting thing. If you can, if you can flip that sometimes, you know, you're not, you could, if you can flip it around to that, which is just have some pity on on people like that, and if you look at them like that, yeah, not you're not looking up at them. It's a little thing and uh, being afraid of them, but you're looking down on them in a way and having that. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, somebody made you this way. Exactly, because I think by nature we're all communal minded creatures. So absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a little thing. If we just practice a little more empathy with everybody, including mm. our enemies, to a point, uh, the best way to get rid of your enemy is to make them your friend. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you can't, just keep them close. Mm-hmm. Keep and, an eye on them. Uh, and if that doesn't work, I have an uncle who lives in New York who's in the waste disposal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's in the waste disposal business. <laughs> He's Italian. Have you ever seen someone change themselves to become a better human? Have I ever seen someone change themselves to become a better human? This, this is a uh, deep question because I feel like it refers to myself. Ooh. And it's just because I always strive to be a lot more mindful of how I treat people because I am by no means a perfect person. And whenever somebody is feels strong enough to be able to come up to me and say, hey, what you did right here really, really hurt me. And it's what makes, and what I feel what makes us a better person is acknowledging that, being able to acknowledge where we went wrong and working to be able to move forward from that situation. That, to me, that is how you become a better person. 
and I don't mean to sound cliche, but we could all work to become better people. And it's just because, and one way we also become a lot better people is we see people who are not better people. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when you do see, you do see that. And if you do, see, I mean, I think you have to see it and see it as wrong mm -hmm. and kind of make that, that own self-talk of, wow, I'm, I hope I'm never like that. Yeah. Exactly, because right. you see the way that that negativity affects another yeah, human life. Yeah, affects the person, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like, oh, I don't want to be someone who hurts somebody like that. Um, yeah. And it's just a uh, – I've always made it a point to learn from other people's mistakes and learn from my own. I only got to put my hand on the stove once. It's a great philosophy, right? It's to, where does acceptance begin? Acceptance begins with yourself. It begins with here's here's where my acceptance finally began at twenty five. I was in, into accepting even accepting yourself at mm -hmm. this point. Accepting okay, the good, the bad, the sloppy, everything. Okay. It is. It was twenty five years old, driving down I forty in rural Oklahoma, and I said, "Okay, like I said earlier, here's where I'm either going to be myself or I'm going to die," and I chose to live. I, I was ready to take my own life because I was just so miserable living in this box and not being able to be my authentic self. And this is when you were still in the seminary, studying seminary still stuff? Still in the church, studying oh, the Bible Fake, and everything. Just faking life, totally faking who you were. It's like I was having these, I, I was just having these urges, these attractions. And it's like, I was just so programmed to think, oh, can't do that, that's wrong. And I just reached a point where I'm like, it just finally felt like divinity, God, goddess, the universe said, okay, here, look. You can either let go of the charade or just continue to be miserable and suppressed and contained because you were not meant to be miserable, suppressed, and contained. And you finally look in the mirror? I, mean, I was driving down the road, down the road. crying, or oh. was this a, like an emotional moment? Or it just was a, a very, like a it lot, wasn't crying, like but it was one of those moments where you just feel so deep, just like your, yeah. your head's under the water. You're yeah. just so down. And I decided, you know what? I just have to be myself. It's just like you have to finally breathe. You don't have to hold your breath anymore. So you either suffocate or, or, or you, you just, breathe. You choose to breathe. Yes. So this meant you had to go home and tell mom. It. Coming out is always a process. It's you just don't walk in and be like, "Hey, mom, guess what? I love dick." Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that would be like Italian mother would not see. She she just wouldn't see the humor in that. She she wouldn't. Whenever I did come out, my mom actually didn't speak to me for three months. And but you know what? It gave me time to get myself together and finally become a lot more familiar with myself. So you had that conversation, and then you're distant. You just each need. She needs to process. I mean, she's trying to process. She this. did, and one right. of the first things she told me was, "I just want to see you in heaven." And what I said is, "I'm well, you're sure you're going to see me in heaven." Yeah, Mom. yep. If there is a heaven, I'm sure you'll see me there before you see some of these television television preachers <laughs> that you love so much. Don't act shocked to see me. I'm pretty sure I'll be shocked to see you too. A amen to that, right? <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> Definitely, the preachers are gonna. They got some talk. They got some explaining. Some of those guys, not all of them, but some mm -hmm. of them got some explaining to do. I understand very much. So. They'll get the secondary interview. But acceptance, acceptance starts with yourself. 
And that, that's your foundation. That, that's when you get your footing. Who, uh, I, I really don't have, I, now I'm old enough to where I don't have two shits to rub together if somebody doesn't like me. Make sure you bury me with my butt sticking up so you can, you can come by the cemetery, cemetery and kiss it anytime you want. <laughs> Great question for you. Mm-hmm. Do our actions, thoughts create positive and negative energies? I've always lived by the philosophy you always summon what you serenade. So if you're walking. Summon what you serenade. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there trying to do good in the world, recycling, eating your Wheaties and your vegetables, and just trying to be an all around better person, positivity tends to find you. It mm. tends to come to you. But if you're out there uh, creating strife and drama and negative self-speak, you're always going to draw that stuff in because that's always going to be the lens through which you see the world. You're going to see the world yeah. through a dirty lens. And and does the I mean, not only that, but the universe man shows you that stuff as well, right? Yes. It's, it's just not just how you see it, but it's also, I think, what you get presented. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the situations. I'm certain it's I'm going to use the old adage when okay. life hands you lemons, make lemonade. And it's all about being able to. Yeah, you're still going to have problems, even if you're doing good. But it's about how you take yeah. care of those problems. Yeah. It's are you just going to choose to sit there and waller in it? I know I just used a southern word. Are you going to sit there and waller in it? Did you use your, did you just throw waller into the conversation? I did just throw waller <laughs> in your podcast. I expect to get a t-shirt that I'm says to waller I, around in this for a minute. Yep, you're just going to waller around in this. But it's are you going to sit there and waller in it or are you going to work your right, way through you make, it? Right, make something out of it. Cuz that's again how you become a better human. Open up a lemonade stand. <clears throat> Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> He's got a big, big shit-eating grin on his face. What is the most illegal thing you've gotten away with? Most illegal thing I have gotten away with is, I'm not going to name names because Mama didn't raise no snitch, uh, was yeah. in a public park at night, there was some naughtiness that occurred. Oh, goodness. Nakedness? Yes. Oh, my God. In a public park. At night. Oh. Nobody was around. No one got, yeah, no one was hurt. This was when I was a lot younger. <laughs> I'm not a very modest person, yeah, well, but I, I could have gotten, I, I think, I, I, well, no, I know I would have, especially in Oklahoma. Oh, it was in Oklahoma. I, I, I think I'd still be, I'd st Still be in the Hooskow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> did you throw Hooskow in the car? I did. I'd still be in <laughs> or the they'd be hanging you from a tree. Yeah. Either that, especially in Oklahoma. Uh, it's possible. Depends what part, I guess. Oklahoma's got some progressive cities. Oklahoma City. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's some naughtiness going on there. <laughs> it's like, well, the uh, Southern Baptist Convention is kind of located there, so I know there's naughtiness going on, but... I'm ready to move on. <laughs> what does pay it forward mean to you? Whatever I think of pay it forward. I, somebody once told me that to pay it forward means to plant trees that you will never sit in the shade of. Oh, that's beautiful. It is. It's about making the world better for the future. Like I wish like people from past generations would understand. It's making the world more livable, taking care of the environment, but you're not going to see the benefits of it 
but people people in the future will. Mm. It's paying it forward is getting out of the me mentality and breaking the breaking the spell of self infatuation. Let's not do that. I, I got I, an Insta- I got an Instagram account with likes and stuff, uh, bro. I got to check it later. Oh, you have to find another way to get your dopamine. I'm afraid. Uh, I, exactly. <laughs> I need another. Well, if you see how many likes I get, I do need another way to find dopamine. There's no dopamine there for me. Unless you can get dopamine off of two likes. <laughs> well, we all have tolerance levels, Ken. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, so if I get so if I get four, I'm going to be high as high as hell. Don't drive. Yeah, don't drive if you get four <laughs> likes. Don't drive. What's your biggest fear that may keep you from your dreams? My biggest fear is I deal with imposter syndrome from time to time. Oh. And it's it's just kind of like, is this really me? Are you really doing this? Yeah, Did, yeah. Can you really go around being able to talk to people, like telling people to think for themselves, think outside the box? Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to. I want. I want more goats and less sheep. <laughs> oh, I like that. It is about. I'm always scared. I'm not thinking for myself. I do not want to parrot other people. Oh. So I just don't want to be accused. I'm always scared. I'm copying somebody else. Right. That you're not genuine. Yes. I don't ever want to be accused of being ungenuine because I've seen in my life, the results of, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I'm not a yes person. I don't want, I don't want to be accused of being a yes person. And I'm also scared of the average human fear of failure of people being like, man, you're full of shit. You're yeah, so full yeah. of shit, your eyes are brown. Well, and especially you're on the edge, right? You're on the fringe. Yes. So there is that. I mean, it's easy to be attacked when you're on the fringe. It's unstable times, right? Yes. And it's, and I don't care really about being attacked because yeah. people like me get attacked all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think I'm more scared of not making a difference. And being accused of being ingenuine. That's those, those, those two. Yeah, that together is yeah, a wicked combo. It is. I mean, especially if you feel one of the questions uh, talked about this yesterday, um, but this reminds me of it, which is the weight of the responsibility of the universe, right? The expectations mm-hmm. that the universe has, right? Or mm-hmm. the potential that we are as humans, the gifts that we have. And so that. You know, the, the fear of not living up to the gifts that we've got for me. I, I understand that, too, because it's, it's just so easy just, just to sit there. Oh, God. It's, it's, I mean, there's millions and there's billions of people just cannot look in that window. You don't, I mean, that's a, that's a jar on the shelf that's in a bag, and you really don't want to look in there. And it's like, I want to paraphrase a quote by Amelia Earhart, just to encourage people that says, I believe it was Amelia Earhart. Okay. It says, I'm going to paraphrase, the first step is the hardest part, the rest of it is sheer tenacity. (laughs) And in case you haven't picked up yet, I can be quite tenacious whenever I need to Uh, be. Yeah, I would would imagine. You're like a dog with a bone. I could see that. I love doggies. What's the craziest thing you've done for love? The craziest thing I've done for love is for my current partner. Okay. Uh, Jared, Jared, love you. Uh, I once got his, the craziest thing I've ever done is I once got his favorite drag queen to send him a video message on his birthday. <laughs> and 
that that is the craziest thing because I I tend to not fire with both barrels whenever it comes to like loving relationships. It's a progressive thing. Yeah, but that was like. Like, where do you go from there? What's the next birthday? Oh, I, I took him to New Orleans for his birthday last year. So oh, to go enough. meet my aunts and uncles and stuff like that. So Oh, you got aunts and uncles yes. in New Orleans? Yes. Oh, that's a whole other side of the house. It is. It is. Whenever I say aunts and uncles, it's people who I'm related to through like spiritual initiation oh, okay. in, oh. in traditions. So that these people are sort of like become your, like your blood family. Oh, I love that. That's are you a lefty? I am. He's a southpaw. Got that creative, it's that creative thing. It is, it's why, it's why I'm crazy. <laughs> Moms out there, if your son is using his left hand to dress his Ken doll with a, with a glitter tux. I got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever felt what it was like to be accepted? Yes. And whenever you feel, that feeling is... Like I to me, it's all about being able to breathe. It's all about oh, not man. having to look over my shoulders and being able to trust the people who are standing behind you. That that's mm. a feeling of being accepted. You're you're not worried about what these people think because these people are already thinking the same way you think. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting. And it's something. But I will say this: it hits different whenever you finally accept yourself. I the, yeah, because you're coming back to that car. I mean, that's just such a great visual for me. Driving mm-hmm. down the 40. It's the I-40 epiphany. I-40 epiphany. Just beautiful, right? You're driving out and just had that conversation. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be who I am. Yep. I'm going to be the, w- the weird queer occultist that, I'm, that God wanted me to be. Yeah. And <laughs> like you said, how can you be an imposter syndrome on that? I mean, because you know, nobody makes, I mean, you can't make that up. Mm-mm. Like if you're, if you found yourself there, that must be you. Exactly. Right. There's no need to feel like an imposter. And it's, there's, like I said, it just hits different when, when, whenever you, you, know, you embrace yourself, you feel there's just a power there that most people aren't familiar with. They think power is having money, have, being an Instagram influencer, being mm-hmm. this, being a CEO, but no. Power is being comfortable with yourself and having say over your universe. The real power. Has someone close to you ever hurt you? Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about my dad again. Yeah, let's, Just, bring, let's go down that road. It's been a perpetual thing of being hurt, mo- mostly by my dad. And it's manifests itself like on Father's yeah. Day. I despise Father's Day. I despise seeing people happy with their fathers because I don't know what it's like to have a healthy male uh, role yeah. model in my life. So it's kind of like you glean what you can from other relationships. Yeah. And it's just kind of like a, you cobble some golem together of what it means to be have a healthy mass a male son, presenting right. person. Yeah. 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 To be be there to guide for to be there to guide yeah. you. Yeah. But it's that to me that is how someone real close to me hurt me. But you know it also benefited me too because I don't think I'd be the same person. You'd be a different person. And I mean this is part of life, right? Is it, we we it is. we're it's, kind of given the path I don't know in a way we're supposed to ride, right? Yep, it it's it made me <clears throat> the person that the world needed. At this point, and the person most of all who I needed. First and foremost, I'm becoming the person who I needed growing up. 
someone else said that similar statement. It's so beautiful. Right? I'm becoming the person I, I I became the father that I needed was what somebody had mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I became that person. Yeah, you became yeah. And it's just something like whenever you make that statement, you're tr- becoming the person who you needed to, growing up. Yeah. Because so you can be that person for people for who somebody need you. else, right? Yeah. For somebody else. Are you doing any mentoring? Uh, I have friends and stuff like that on Facebook who come to me for like advice, especially in like, like how the, about young gay, like young, like is there any any young are there any young, young queer young queer, young queer any, people reach out yeah. to me and I'll talk and like I'll talk to them on Facebook Messenger yeah. or even just out at the bars. It's about being available to people. Right. People have this tendency to just open up to me and just be vulnerable, and there's also a degree of trust that comes with that too, because. Oh, the the LGBTQ tr- sure. community, we, we don't have a lot of trust in people who are outside the community. Oh. And it's something I, I take people, people give me their trust and their confidence. It's something I do not like to violate. No. for Oh, no. So it's, I, I always tell them it's in the vault. <laughs> sort of. Well, well uh, um, Seinfeld. It is. It's, it's in the vault. It's in the vault. Seinfeld, man. Are we just a speck in the giant universe, or do we play a bigger role? That's up, that's up to the person. Do you feel like a speck? Do you want to be, do you just want to be just a speck? Or do you want to play a bigger role? Because to quote, to quote another holy scripture, I think it was the Levian, the, the Satanic Bible, we are all gods unto ourselves. And do you want to be a big part? Or do you not even want to be a footnote? Yeah. To make history doesn't mean you end up in a book. To make history means you've changed the world and made it better. Even if your name isn't in lights or print or anywhere else. You did your little part in your, in your corner of the world. You'd, yes. And you're not just a cog. You're not just a piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are a soul that's trying to... You're a human being who's trying to, who is trying to make your world a better place. So just keep doing that shit. Some solid advice. What's the most painful thing you've ever experienced? In, in 2020, during the pandemic, I, I got COVID really, really, really bad to the point where I almost, I almost passed away from COVID in 2020. I had asthma attacks. I had a 105-degree fever. I was hallucinating. I was covered in a rash. I was in and out of the hospital. It was... a the most painful thing I've ever Eesh. been through in my life. Dang, that, that's a bad case yeah. of COVID. It, I went from weighing 215 down to 180. And one thing that really bothered me was like, think of all the weight you lost. I'm like, yeah, I lost it because I was dying. I was, yeah, it's probably not good weight loss. It's like whenever you lose weight because you're sick, that's like getting liposuction behind a convenience store in a van. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a way to go. But it's like you you couldn't even keep water down. It's You had to make yourself drink water, but then just like, bleh, you would just throw up. My roommates, who were who basically kind of like I call them my adopted gay parents, uh, Chris and Cage, they took care of me through this entire thing. They kept in contact with my mom back home. They, they brought me food with a mask on. They drove me to the hospital anytime I needed to go to the hospital. They they, they, they look after me. I think it's because of them I'm, I'm still alive. Whoa. 
and my my ex husband, my ex husband is really great. I was just divorced at this time, but he did he wanted me to have health insurance so I'd be able to make it through this. And he did he so he he didn't want to like finalize the divorce because he wanted to make sure I was going to be able to go. You were to the covered hospital. until yeah. until you got better. He's my I. Not what a, a good, lot of people can say this. My, what a good guy. My 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 ex husband yeah. is is a really amazing person. Well, it's good. I I think if you it says a lot about people if you can if you can part ways in a relationship mm-hmm. and still be friendly. Yeah. Let alone say such nice things. Yep. He he's. They, I felt like I had a great community watching over me. Yeah. We'll get this lonely question. Well, you're supposed to. You're supposed to make it out. You're not. You're not done yet. Nope. I wasn't meant to leave. Yeah, you're not. It's not your time. Can we accept love from another if we haven't found self-love? That's a very interesting question because you can accept love from another, but just don't become addicted to another. Because once mm. you find, quit trying to find yourself in other people because you're never, not ever going to find it. Mm. If, but when you have found self-love, yes. whenever you find self-love, it's easier to accept love from other people. Yeah. When someone's like, hey, I love this trait about you. Define self-love. And you're like, yeah, I'm the shit in that department. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not bragging That's if me. it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and the best, close it up with, it's not bragging, it's true. Exactly. And it's just kind of <laughs> like a... That's the best. But it's always good to follow up. Just what can you see that you love in the yeah. other person? It's a, lo- love is a circular thing. Love is a circular thing. It goes back and forth. If you're just sitting there sucking it up, you're a narcissist. <laughs> you're, 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 or, or a Leo, I'm not sure. Yeah, or a Leo, yeah, or a Leo. <laughs> I, can, I can see the Instagram messages now. Dear Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Leo. And I am the sweetest person ever. And I go, there you go. There you Point go. Made. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Point made. Block. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. No, no. Copy and copy paste up. And Congratulations, share. you just made my Instagram. Yeah. You've given me a post. Oh. If you could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? I think if I could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, I would love to have dinner with someone alive. I would think I would like to sit down and talk to, I know I'm going to be so cliche, Michelle and Barack Obama. Oh. Yeah, they had their more controversial moments. Yeah, yeah, but why? I mean, forget the controversy as as people, as humans. What I would think be- I would like to talk to Michelle more so than Barack, no offense, but Michelle just seems like a genuine person. Okay. And she's just so inspiring to people and I want to find out what makes her tick. Yeah, is it I interview people too. Right, is it real? Like if you got that close, you I'd want to know is the mad do I feel the magic? Yes. Do you feel the magic? Yeah. Are, are you authentic? Because yeah. it's one of the sense that I've developed over a long time is the ability to tell when someone is oh. not being authentic with me. Ooh. A, a good, another good piece of solid advice is never trust anyone who smiles way too much. Yeah, I smile a lot. Uh, yeah, but, but you're genuine. <laughs> yeah, I You've, think I'm genuine. Um, I, I can see through veneers, and she just seems, everything I've seen, she just seems like she's authentic. And she dealt with so much stuff, like people making yeah. disparaging remarks about her family, about her children, about her yeah, yeah, yeah. making racist remarks. But she just keeps trucking. You know she, what I mean? She did seem to stay above all that. Um, but the side eye was there. <laughs> the, I see you. 
Yeah, she always did, she always did have a little bit of a, that smirk, that snarky side. Not even snarky, but just a side eye. And I would also like to can I can I do another one? Absolutely. I want to talk to Scott Cunningham. He was a witchcraft author. Okay. He was queer. He actually died during the AIDS epidemic back in the 80s and 90s. And one of the first books I ever picked up on the craft was written by him. It was Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. And in that book, I just found acceptance. I found like, oh my gosh, this is it. Where do we go from here? He thinks like I think. Yes. He's like me. Validates me. He's me. Yeah, he's me. You know what I mean? He's me. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm not alone. Exactly. I'm not the first person to ever deal with this. And Somebody wrote a freaking book. <laughs> he, ma- he made it here, and you know what? I can make it here, too. Yeah. Oh. And he was real. He wasn't an he wasn't imposter. What's the difference between helping and enabling? Depends on what you're assisting the person doing. Kind of like, let's say a person is addicted to drugs, mm. and you keep giving this person money because they need they, drugs yeah. or they quote unquote yeah. need groceries. Uh, helping somebody would be going to the grocery store for them. And uh, you're giving them the parts, but you're not giving them the temptation to go yes. and do the thing that is destroying their lives. It's you're helping somebody get eat. You're helping somebody have a place to sleep. You're helping somebody mm. recover and heal. You're not giving somebody yeah. the matches and the gasoline yeah. to destroy themselves yes. and burn down the rest <laughs> of their life. <laughs> Beautiful description. The ma- the ma- it's so true, right? Mm-hmm. That and is enabling. The matches and the gasoline. What's the biggest secret someone has shared with you? I have had lots of people uh, share mm-hmm. like they're coming. I've had people come out to me. Yeah. And, but I've, 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 I'm also the, seem to be the one that people come and tell whenever they have some sort of terminal illness that they haven't told other people. I had a friend in a pho restaurant come and tell me that he was, he was uh, HIV positive one time back home in Oklahoma. And so we're sitting in this restaurant, and I just know something is off. And I'm like, hey, what's wrong? And, are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? What's going on? Something seems off. And he was like, I came here to talk to you. I went to the doctor today and got blood work done. And then I remember he shaped the chopsticks into the symbol of a in the symbol of a positive sign. And like, what am I supposed to be do? Be like, oh my god! Like right there in front of the whole world. It was more or less trying to have a controlled reaction. I didn't get up and run around the table and hug him. I kept it as low key as possible. But it was a that that is one of the biggest secrets someone has ever shared with me. Yeah, that's t- I mean that's got to be a I can't imagine what that that's like. Yet it is a degree of trust that I don't think anyone else will ever have in another human being. Yeah, he's okay today. Yeah, as, as far as I know, he's still out there yeah. kicking because of the the miracle of like modern medicine. The drugs they got the drugs now. I mean, I think if you get well, obviously Magic Johnson had tremendous amounts of money. And mm-hmm. but it's it, the accessible, it's, it's becoming more accessible, yeah. Well, and, and let's see, so back then he had all the money and 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 access, mm-hmm. so, so that was so long ago 30 years ago, um, 30 something years ago, probably now. So I think now, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's even better. It definitely is, yeah, it's not a death sentence anymore, no, it's just it's it's still terrible, but it's able to be managed, yeah, yeah. really well. It, but it's a lifelong 
thing, which is a, which is not fun to deal with. What do you think about gratitude? To me, gratitude always expresses itself as giving. You you've that's how you show gratitude to God, the universe, divinity, whatever you like to t- to do it. Gratitude is not keeping it to yourself. Gratitude is sharing it with other people. Hmm. Gratitude without giving is greed. That's yeah. that's that's not. Uh, it's kind of like I. Per- this is my own personal yeah, conviction, yeah, yeah. and it's sentiment that's shared by other people. But billionaires and trillionaires should not exist. Should give it all away. Not give it all away. That they they can live comfortably, especially if you've worked your fingers to the bone for what yeah, you have. Yeah. You've put in the work. You've planted the crops, and you deserve mm. the harvest. But take care of your employees a little bit more. There shouldn't yeah. be like someone who has to work three jobs, two or two to three jobs just to make ends meet and put food on the table. Amazon seems to be a good example of that. There's a good opportunity for him to do a lot more. It, it, um, it just, like I said, tr- billionaires and trillionaires shouldn't exist. You could use that money to make the world so much better. You could literally solve hunger. <laughs> uh, There's some things that I, they were talking about with the wealth. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Elon and uh, uh, Bezos have between the two of them, what the, you know, the problems of, of the world that they could solve. It, it, it is just mind boggling. Like I think one of them has so much money that they could afford to fix hunger. I, I think this is one of the stats I saw, which basically like hunger could be not global, but, but definitely. like in the country, like, yeah. like in, like in the like States, no one would go, no one would go to bed hungry. Exactly. If, and that's what bothers me. Cause I know what yeah. it's like to go to bed hungry. It's not fun. No, it is not. What can you do today to make your tomorrows better? Let's see. What can you do today to make your tomorrows better? What you can do today is use the calendar app on your phone and don't forget stuff. (laughs) That's how you can make your tomorrows at least a bit easier. But one thing you can always do to make your tomorrows a lot better, it it all starts with simple eye contact and saying please and thank you like most of your parents taught you to do. I, you know, this is weird. I'm having these weird moments where people are repeating things that are like these old adages. Mm-hmm. And, and I am now hearing them with a different view, a different lens. I'm hearing mm-hmm. them with a different set of ears. And it's kind of freaking me out because they're like, whoa, that was like, that's what they meant by that. And, yeah. And that's real. And it's just something it's and saying please and thank you to somebody and making eye contact like people from my generation going forward we have such issues with making eye contact with uh, people it's interesting right like and so how can they look at themselves in the mirror exactly and it's like a, how can you acknowledge the humanness in yourself if you're not going to look somebody else in the eye and acknowledge it in it, them as well it means there's a lot going on if you can't and mm-hmm. i think even people a lot of young people are there's a tremendous amount of anxiety around going back to school there, I heard that on the news the other yeah, day. Yeah, people are really, I mean, the mask really fooked people up and the isolation. And the best thing that, that I would say about that is, this is another old adage, is be kind to people. If they're not kind back, that says nothing about you. That says everything about, about them, though. Yeah. No matter, being kind, be kind to somebody even, even if they can't do anything for you. It's reckless kindness. <laughs> be 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 reckless I, with it. This is a great. I want to. This is a bumper sticker. You know, <laughs> practice, don't practice reckless driving. Practice reckless kindness. Let's see. Make sure we get that one at the uh, the vine and rack and vine. Elk and vine. Elk and, elk and vine. <laughs> As rack and vine. 
Has anyone done something for you that went far beyond what you expected them to do for you? They drove from California, and they're sitting here doing a podcast with me. Oh, <laughs> that guy's so nice. He's, he's so nice and happy. <laughs> he's, why would he do that? But I would have to say another instance it would probably be my mom, because she worked her she worked like a full-time job, went to nursing school to just be able... She had a lot of faults. She has a lot of faults, but... You know, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, and by God, she 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 tried she tried she tried. Like Try the old hard. song go, "Mama tried, Mama, Ma- try. Mama tried," and we're and she has two kids who are who are doing really good. Yeah, she must. I mean, she she's in Oklahoma still. Mm-hmm. She, she must love this. She, she mom uh, for she, she she did a lot of things. She did a lot of things right. Yeah. She kept food on the table. She looked after us, and I know she loved us. And I gave her a lot of shocks to her system. A few she needed some time to breathe through. Yep. But we still talk on we still talk on the phone. And she got there. She did. Well, that says everything about mom. Mm-hmm. M- mom and grandma. And grandma. Uh huh. Grandma okay. was sort of there as like a was sort of there, kind of like a stand-in father, almost like a stand-in parent. Yeah. And. and Grandma passed away in 2020, but Aww. she's but grandma's a, always know. Yes. Like grandma knew everything. Grandma. Whenever I told my grandma about me, everyone was like, don't tell grandma. Don't tell grandma. Don't tell grandma. And then I told her and she goes, oh, oh that, I already knew. She's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, and then she was mad at her kids saying, like, why didn't you? Why didn't you want them to tell me? I owned bars. <laughs> I see. This is a part like grandparents know it all, bro. Like, don't tell grandma. Grandma already knows. Mm-hmm. So she uh, said, "Oh, that makes sense." And she, and she accepted me a lot more than the rest of the family did. I, of course, she, she did. lectured them. It, of it was a, it, it was a truly a refreshing experience. Grandma's in your corner. Mm-hmm. She's waiting for you, and she's still in my corner. Mm-hmm. I, I know she's. I know she's still one of those spirits that I interact with. Oh, is she around you, cheering you on? Mm-hmm. That's so cool, right? I mean, it's weird when you think, like, if you think it through, like, in a crazy way, mm-hmm. you're here to give grandma a voice. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like I'm, pre- I'm preaching some of her philosophies out there. I, I mean, you know, it, it just kind of dawned on me, like, maybe that's your, in a weird way, maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here to be a grandparent to somebody. Oh, gosh, that ages me. <laughs> I take it back. I take it all back. <laughs> You do have a little gray in your beard, though. I do. I didn't have it until I started talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> the jar, just like it sprouted. I actually did just notice it, too, which is kind of weird. Maybe it did just happen in 30 minutes. Have you ever rejected a loving person? No. Hmm. Uh, it's just because something like that, especially like love and kindness from a stranger is just so rare. And depending on what shape that takes, if it's somebody who is trying to be like frisky, because there's a difference between like carnality and actually showing love and kindness. Mm. It is, have I rejected sexual advances? Oh, yes, I have. But have I rejected somebody who saw me struggling and wanted to help me out and give me a leg up? Absolutely not. Have I rejected somebody who wanted to give me a hug or show me some kind of affection? 
No, because I need it. The whole world needs it. But at the same time, test the waters. <laughs> I just love the fact that I'm not going to reject a loving person. You, you, just because it's so hard. It, it's just, especially if you just grew up in the situation that like I grew up in. You, you, you learn really, really quick to... to yeah, you're going to cherish that. Get, get the morsels of kindness yeah, whenever yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're cherishing this, man. It's a loving person. I'm not like, come on, let's have more of this. Exactly. Are you one of those people who can forgive, forget, and move on instantly? I can forgive and I can move on, but I never forget. Mm. And just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you got to pick out drapes with them. Yeah. This is something I had to learn with like my dad. And uh, he, I yeah. met, he, he was a result of his upbringing. Yeah. And that's your upbringing is something you really can't help, but you can help how that affects your future. Yeah. And it's, I forgive and I move on, but it's, if he was like, Hey, I want a relationship with you and to talk to you and so on and so forth. I would say, I don't think that's probably healthy. It's a boundaries thing, right? Eventually you learn the boundaries for yourself. It is. Yeah. Cause I was very angry for, for a very long time and I carried that with me for a long distance, but it just consumed too much. I realized it consumed too much emotional real estate and mental yeah. real estate with me, and there's not a lot to spare. So you just move, you just have to move on, but you don't forget. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you've got that anger and that, you know, your the resentment, you're holding on to it, um, it's present in every relationship. Mm hmm. Right. And it's about another person shouldn't have to pay for another per, anyone else's mistakes. Kind of yeah. like the person, the, the guy when I was 18 who, who abused me. Yeah. Uh, I forgive and I've moved on, but I'll never forget because yeah. I'm always on the lookout for somebody who would try to do that to me or to somebody else. Yeah, or to somebody else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen to you again. Oh, no. Especially, especially right now, I would try to chase him away. Yeah. Is karma an energy? Is karma an... I could see karma as an energy because it's kind of like whenever... I look at it this way. Um, whenever you make ripples in a pond or in a small puddle, mm. they eventually bounce back to the center. And w- whatever your bounce back is, is, is what you put out there. But that's not the traditional view of karma. There is an entire... From the culture from which karma came from, Indian culture, is it's a very, very rich thing. It's not as cut and dry as we have made it in mm. the Western world. I'm a big person and always acknowledging cultures where I was gonna say, can you expand a little bit? Uh, karma, not too far, but give us a give us a short crash course. The way that we see karma here in the West is, oh, karma's gonna get you. You put bad yeah. karma out there, it's yeah. gonna come back. Uh, sometimes karma can be seen, at least in my opinion, can be seen as like a, a god or a goddess, and they are always going around and paying people back for their deeds what they do because they're always watching Hmm. but i'm honestly i'm not too familiar deeply familiar with the indian concept of karma i just know it's a lot richer yes i like to pay attention to like the culture from where a lot of our words come from yeah yeah oh it's always good to go back and find the. and i'm just curious and i I just want to know curiosity killed the cat be careful it's okay i believe in reincarnation yeah, and cat's got nine lives, so there exactly. you go. Exactly. Oh, don't curse me with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't give me nine lives. Um, 
I love being curious. That was one of my mantras on the road. Stay curious. It is. I've heard that before. Stay curious. I just forgot. Where yeah. I so it. be grateful. Um, to be grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to stay curious. Otherwise, it, this trip could be tough. Yeah. It just. It would just seem hopeless and pointless. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm just stay curious, like I'm going to meet you, and I, you know, I just it's a name on a piece of paper, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And then you show up and and then you show up in an inner city somewhere outside of a yeah. outside of a curiosity shop. Yeah. It's actually we are in a curiosity <laughs> it's actually a curiosity shop, isn't it? It is. View of life from where you are today. A reflection. My view of life like past, present, and future. Yeah, it's up to you. Uh, I I see life now as it's a journey. It, it's a book. It's a story that I'm continuously writing. And yet it's going to have its ups and downs, and I'm going to get cases of writer's block mm. where I do sit there and watch entire seasons of The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Uh, but it's, it's about life is about taking the good with the bad and mm. learning how to – because something – a situation is never completely bad. It's bad situations can be very revealing. For sure. It's about learning how to find those morsels of good in the pile of shit. Yeah. That is bad. Finding the pearls in the poop. We'll just say that. Yeah, I just said poop on your podcast. Pearl, you just said pearls and poop. I did just say pearls <laughs> and poop. Sounds like the dog ate mom's necklace. Yes. Um, let's keep going. We got a couple more. We're getting, we're getting close, but I don't want to. And I still have all my limbs intact. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't. Nothing bad happened. Oh, yeah. We, you. We just touched on this a little bit mm-hmm. earlier, right? How is your life compared to how you thought it would be when you were younger? When I was really young, uh, yeah. of course, I was programmed to believe, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to marry a girl. I'm going to have 2.5 kids and live in the suburbs. I, and I'll be a rocket man. I, I'll be on rocket ships or I'll be a pilot or, or a chemist. But never thought I, I never thought that I would be living in St. Louis, uh, practicing witchcraft, and doing podcasts, and being gay, and, and being and, and being as que- <laughs> as queer as a three dollar bill. <laughs> so it's like, I never thought that, but this feels a lot better for me. This feels a lot more fun. How about when you were twenty five? When, when I was you're 20, in the car, what did you think that emancipation would give you? That acceptance. I mean, it's two things at the same time, right? I, honestly, I was sort of man- playing it playing it by ear then because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to hide anymore. Let's see where this takes me. And at first, I'm just kind of like, well, maybe I should have kept this to myself. But like I said a second ago, it's all about finding the about finding the, the pearls and the shit. Yeah. And <clears throat> I found lots of pearls and I found lots of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Come, that's not can't be an easy process. You find out who your friends are. Mm-hmm. And you also learn to take dominion over you learn to take dominion over your universe. Yeah, and that's sort of what I've learned. You summon what you serenade. Yeah, I like that. You summon what you serenade is a great is a great quote, and and I think ownership this this dominion right mm-hmm. really having to own it. And I think if you are on the fringe like this, you're in Oklahoma and you're coming out gay, you do have to really. Create your own country. Mm-hmm. Create your own family. Create yeah. your own community. You have to find it because we're, we're all out you, there. Because you may broke, you may have broken part of your original one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's kind of like a you, you got to break. 
you have to break what's normal to find something unusual. You got to look at it's like the prize in the cereal box. Yeah, yeah. It's like you eat all the marshmallows out of the Lucky Charms and you dump out the the gross hard stale parts and you get the decoder ring at the bottom <sighs> of the box. Well, let's face it, we're all it was all about that. I just wanted the prize. <laughs> that 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 was me. It's like a perfect final question too. Mm-hmm. Um, great so far. We got one last question, then I'll get you to do some comments. Okay. But I can't imagine. I'd like this is a great closing, uh, especially for you. What is God? To me, God is, the way I view God is we are, God is androgynous. God is male and female, fluid. Nobody can quite say who God is, the likelihood of me being able to say who God is is the likelihood of me being able to point exactly at the front door of my house from 2,000 miles away. You can get in the general direction of who God, Goddess is, but nobody can say who God is. Mm. Being a uh, finite creatures like us would not, are not meant to comprehend if there is a God, universe, whatever you want to call it, we can't comprehend it. It'd be like an ant trying to comprehend an automobile. It's not going to happen. It's not possible. But it's always, the way that you can understand God is by understanding yourself, because we are all reflections and expressions of the divine. Mm. So I guess to sum it up is to understand God is to understand you. I mean, if we're made in God owns right, God's own image, right? Mm-hmm. So can't be contained in one image. Yeah. So we're it's like a diamond. There's many facets. I, this is funny. If we're all made in God's, we all look pretty funnily different. Mm-hmm. That's that's the beauty of like humanity and just the world in general. It's it's we're all different. We're all expressions. Yeah, it's kind of absurd, right? We're made in God's image, but well, holy cow! Wait a minute. We all look different. Mm-hmm. We all talk different. We all look f- like. So how does that? Some of us have curly hair. Some of us have straight hair. Some of us have no hair. (laughs) Yeah. So how does this, like, wait a minute. Then, yeah, like you said, God must be a reflection of all of us. And for one, for one person to say that they have, they they have God on a nailed down, they're lying. Then that's not God. Well, it's their God. It's their God. Yeah. It's their God. It's their reality. It is. It's their um, kind of like you're the master of your own perceptions. You're the master yeah. of your own universe. But to try to put that on other people. Oh, well, I got a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Might that not, may not, I may not be cool with that. But yeah, you, you be you. And, and that's finding God. You be you. That's, that's, we, could take, we could take any Holy Scripture and make it one page, one sentence. Be you. Because that's me. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection. Right? Yep, it's Thank a reflection God. of you, God. You be you because it's a reflection of me. And then that none of that can be wrong. Nope. Because to understand, like, like I, I will say the same quote over and over again: to understand the divinity is understanding yourself. Yeah. Knowing your limits, knowing your boundaries, knowing yourself inside and out, and being comfortable with that. Because you are an expression of divinity. Mm. Do you look in the mirror? Are you like an eyeball to eyeball guy? I do look myself in the eye when I'm brushing my teeth. When oh, that's a good one. Just like it's you don't have to like light the incense, put on the robes or anything like that. Sometimes it's just affirmations. Yeah, that's one of the ways you get in touch with your own divinity. 
It's I I love those self talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a great side story around that. Um, but but anyway, <laughs> awesome conversation. I you're, enjoyed it. You're a you're a fantastic human. Thank you. Yeah, you're love a being around you. Human too. Yeah, thank you. And I uh, just got a bunch of love for you and, and where you're at and how you got here and the space you're in. Just beautiful. Um, how about some closing thoughts? What kind of wisdom you got? We, you know, could be to dad. It could be a message to somebody. Mm-hmm. Could be a message to the dads out there. Don't be, you know, don't be that dad. Could be a message to mom. Could be a message to your audience or the audience. Definitely. Uh, some of my, my, my closing thoughts is if you want life to get easier, First and foremost, just embrace who you are. Embrace the weird things. You don't have to live on inside anyone else's box. You don't have to live inside of a box that you've made for yourself. Stand on top of that box. Let your freak, freak flag fly because the world needs more of that. The world doesn't need any more Instagram influencers or CEOs or anything like that. Be, be the people that other people need and that the environment needs. Authenticity yeah. is what literally makes the world go round. Not actually gravity does that, but I think you're all, if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast, you're perceptive enough to pick up on what I mean. I think, I think that, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely going to be already be already be out there. Um, and to just say this finally, allow yourself to breathe. Just like I did on, on I-40. The, allow yourself to what breathe. Was the I, was it the I-40 what? The I-40 epiphany. The I-40 epiphany. I got to write, hold on, I got to write that down. I'm going to be on the I-40 at some point. Mm-hmm. Probably and heading down to Oklahoma or heading up to. I, and, and I'll be on there and I'll just, I'll just have a little thought. I'll just be like, yeah, Aaron, man, is on this road. And he put his hands up and just said, all right, God, I'm yours. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to be me. Yep. I'm going to bet. Yeah. Here I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to be a, uh, St. Louis's weirdest, queerest destru- yeah. uh, occultist. <laughs> Fantastic uh, time, Aaron. Thank you again so much. Uh, big sh- a big shout out to Vince for opening up um, the Elk and Vine uh, mm-hmm. for us today on a, on a Friday morning. Do you want to want want to get, want me to give them my Instagram and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Give us some. How do they, how do people find you? Uh, I am on Instagram, Aaron Maza M A Z Z A, E well E R O N M A Z Z A. And I have my own podcast. Which oh, yeah. Where do they find you? At my, my podcast is called The Witching Hour with Aaron Maza. And I talk to different occultists and spiritual people from all over the world. Very cool. How long, you been, how long has it been going? Uh, two years. I'm in my fourth season. Wow. Yeah, and Vince is actually one of my occasional co-hosts. So, I've been, so, he's, so, so they are along for the ride. I love it. I love it. Well... Um, I'm going to have to check it out because it is, that's kind of some interesting stuff. And there's always, I think the occult has got a lot of interesting things going on. Um, I'm, I'm, I really love what I'm doing. And it's like, I, I saw a kid and I'm like, this is career goals for me. <laughs> you can be do the traveling occult internationally. Yep. Do this, but do it internationally. Going Air, to visit. Aaron and Vince's uh, occult road show. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Thanks again, Aaron, and a big shout out to Vince one more time. Thanks, everybody, for listening, supporting The Jar. Uh, Please do get to the website, www.thejar.live. Put your email in and pick up part of my book. Uh, You can get, yeah, you put in, you get your your yesterdays, todays, tomorrows, uh, the book of self, 12 little letters you can read 
real easy reading and just uh, play around with that gray matter between your ears. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar. If you would like to be one of our guests, please email thejarguest at gmail.com or follow our journey on your favorite social media platforms. See you all on the road.